Um, I, I've learned from experience, uh, brothers and sisters and young people, that it's a dangerous thing um, to say that you probably haven't looked at um, Shifra and Pua or read anything about it or, or done a class on it, because as soon as you say that, of course, there's going to be loads of comments in chat saying, we looked at it last week in Bible class or, uh, <laughs> or so on and so forth. So I, I, I won't say that, but perhaps the probability is um, that these uh, are two women that we may not have looked at in, in any detail before. And what a lovely thing that this week our children as well have been looking at women of the Bible. Uh, I didn't know that at the time uh, when, when the Bible school was being put together, but uh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Um, perhaps I, what I can say is perhaps when we think of all the great women of the Bible, Shifra and Pua perhaps uh, don't come to mind um, as quickly as some of the other uh, well-known uh, women of the Bible. So that's why we're looking at them and uh, God willing, we'll be able to take some lessons uh, for ourselves from uh, these wonderful women who lived, of course, in what on one hand was a different age, but as we'll see, on the other hand, is a very similar age to ourselves. But just think about this. You may or may not have looked at the little phrase feared God in the Bible, um, but you know, it's, it's only when we come to these two women that the phrase feared God arrives. That's not to say they are the first people in the Bible who feared God. Clearly not. Uh, there were many. Uh, but isn't that interesting? In fact, the only time that another person um, is referred to as fearing God is Joseph in Genesis 42, when he said, I fear God. So, we come across this phrase, particularly um, when we arrive at these two women. Just turn back, uh, if you've still got your Bibles open with you. Um, just look at verse 17. But the midwives feared God. Okay, so that's actually the first time we get the, the, this little phrase, feared God, in the Bible. And it's to do with Shifra and Puah. What a beautiful thing. Um, and then verse 21, um, if you cast your eyes down, and it came to pass... Um, because the midwives feared God, um, that he made them houses. We'll, we'll come to what that means later. Um, so, so that's, um, you know, an interesting starting point when we turn to God's word. The other noticeable thing, um, a fairly straightforward observation, is here we are reading a, a chapter uh, about the greatest empire on earth at that time with the greatest and most powerful man on earth at that time pharaoh we don't know his name um it has been suggested that it was ramesses that's being um probably not the case so so we are told now we can't be certain we can't be dogmatic which pharaoh it was but suffice it to say <laughs> we don't know his name and yet in the same chapter God, in his wisdom, has, de has decided to record the name of these two women who were going about their, if we can put it this way, 
uh, very important uh, but everyday job of being midwives. Isn't that amazing that God is interested, brothers and sisters, in people like you and me who are going about our everyday work, but the big difference is that we fear God. Pharaoh clearly didn't. That's no doubt why his name is not recorded and isn't in the book of life. But these two women's name, names are recorded for our learning, for us to consider, um, which, which we shall do. Now, clearly, um, they lived at a turning point in Israel's history. Here, Israel had been something like 400 years in captivity, um, and they were suffering greatly at this point. In, in fact, this point in history becomes a reference, doesn't it, throughout the rest of the Old Testament and into the New Testament. How many times do we read when God brought them out of Egypt, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, when he brought his son, Hosea 11.1, 1, out of Egypt? It's a reference point, isn't it, of a new start with a nation repeatedly through the scriptures. So these two women were right in the middle uh, of what was going on in God's purpose. It was the birth of a nation, wasn't it? Uh, and here are these two women assisting in the birth of individuals who would be part of that nation, uh, creating in that sense and under God's hand uh, that nation that God would bring forth out of the iron furnace of Egypt. Now history, um, secular history, informs us that around these latter dynasties of Egypt, um, there were a number of incursions by the tribal systems around Egypt at the time. And we feel that that chimes in quite well with um, 1 and verse 10, if you just glance at uh, chapter 1 and verse 10. Um, because Egypt, Pharaoh and Egypt, were starting to feel these incursions and, and getting concerned about it. Their empire was, was being bitten into uh, by these tribes round about. Um, so that may provide some of the context of verse 10. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, speaking about the Hebrews at this time, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when their faileth um, falleth out any war, they join also to our enemies. So clearly they had enemies. Uh, and that chimes in what we know about these latter dynasties uh, and fight against us. So they were worried um, that these Hebrews might join themselves um, to the enemies. Uh, and so they increased the labor and the hard work of um, these Hebrews. So big picture, pan out for a moment. What we see, what we find in Exodus 1 is really a, a tale of two buildings. Uh, and we'll see that, this, how it works out. Uh, and a tale of two kings and, in fact, two visions. Now, I'm going to share my screen for a few moments. Uh, this is where we're, we're talking about um, in the Delta region of Egypt, um, what was Goshen, of course. Um, there is, we're not certain uh, about the exact location, particularly of Python. There's Ramesses um, and Python, but both in the Delta area of Egypt. So this is where our two faithful 
women, Shifra and Puah, lived in their day, many thousands of years ago, faithfully fearing God. Um, and I thought I would just put this in for the record. Uh, again, I'm not suggesting Ramses necessarily was uh, the Pharaoh of the time, but nevertheless, it just helps us see the reality of the, this age where we have bricks made of clay uh, when these uh, Hebrews under bondage would have to make these. And I'm just going to zoom in. Um, this, is, this is from the, the British Museum, in fact, and you can just see on your screens, if you look carefully, little bits of straw um, <clears throat> embedded and sticking out of this clay brick with the inscription um, of Ramesses uh, on there. So it just makes, uh, it brings a little bit of reality um, to what we're looking at. And of course, this is where it ended um, for Egypt. Um, desolation and destruction and pretty much a dead end for Egypt. The empire as it was of man. But by contrast, what we're going to see um, together shortly is how uh, just as Pharaoh was engaged in building um, his cities of treasure and so on and so forth, we see uh, Shifra and Pua very much engaged in building a spiritual house to the glory and honour of the God of Israel, uh, a heavenly God. Now, I'm going to read a few words to you, and I'd like you just to reflect in your own minds um, if it creates any echoes in your mind, okay, um, elsewhere in the scriptures. So, are you ready? Um, they're just either single words or tiny phrases, and I just want you to think, where else have I heard that, okay? Let us. You've probably already got it. <laughs> Make brick, build, mortar, a place where they had a fear of losing their identity and a place of man's pride. I can hear you talking to the screens. Uh, of course, it was Babel, wasn't it? Uh, and it's striking, actually, the similarities that we find in Exodus 1 and Genesis 11. Here in, um, in, in Babel, as you will recall, in Genesis, here were man of the day with one language and building, let us build, etc., to their own pride, their own glory, um, up to, to heaven, this vertical dead end, as it was. Uh, and it's striking that when we come to Exodus 1, nothing really has changed as far as mankind and building his own cities and buildings and worshipping himself is concerned. So um, I'll just pop forward another screen. Uh, there's some of the connections. Uh, they may well be uh, more. But you see, the sad thing is, I guess, brothers and sisters and young people, it continues, doesn't it? What, 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 was, this, what was happening in, in Genesis 11 and Exodus 1? Well, man is still building his own empire, isn't he? Uh, and involved in 
elevating himself and disregarding God. He's still engaged in building cities where man is glorified. In fact, um, just come to Exodus 1 and verse 10, that the, the, this, this division really between man and God and what we're building goes back even further, doesn't it? Um, look at verse 10. Look at the first phrase. What does that remind you of even going further back in Genesis? Come on, let us deal wisely. Now, what does that recall uh, to mind? Uh, of course, it, it's the serpent, isn't it? Um, you, you will be as gods. Okay. Um, go for this wisdom, the, the wisdom of the world. Uh, and so this is what we see expressed in Exodus 1 again. And of course, um, verse 10 again of, of this chapter, where the fear is, um, when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. You see, there's this fight going on again in Exodus 1, that fight that started, didn't it? In Genesis 3 and verse 15 and 16, uh, this, these two seeds of the woman and of the serpent, there's that antagonism, that fight um, that began. And so there it is. In Babel, and here it is in Exodus 1, and, and Pharaoh heads up, as it were, uh, the pride of man in this particular case. There is a little exhortation I'd like to bring out at this point, um, brothers and sisters, and, and it's, it's a simple one, but it just caused me to reflect when I was thinking through these words, and it, it may um, you as well. Just this little phrase, let us, you know, it recurs a lot of times. And if you think back, you don't need to turn there, but just allow your minds to go back to Genesis 1 and verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our image. This is what God wants, isn't it, for us to, to reflect his glory. That's why we're here ultimately. And this is what we see shown in the lives of Shifra and Pua. They wanted to reflect God's glory, a different building altogether. But you see, when we come to Babel, here is man encouraging themselves. Let us together. Uh, and then in Exodus 1, let us do this. You see, what's going on here is they wanted to be conformed, as Hebrews puts it, to the things of this world. Come to Psalm 2, please. And this, this sadly is, is often the mantra, isn't it, of, of mankind around. Let us, they want us to conform to this world. Let us talk like this. Let us wear this sort of thing. Let us go to these sort of places. Let us build this sort of thing. Um, and, and it's all around us. And I guess, my dear brothers and sisters and, and young people, we as the exhortation is in Hebrews, have to be careful not to be conformed to this world, but transformed, don't we, by the renewing of our mind to the things of God. But here, here it is in, in the context of Jesus Christ. Um, Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage, verse 1, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us. You see, here they are together again. <laughs> always antagonistic towards God's purpose. 
but we are reassured, aren't we? And comforted in the knowledge that God's building is the one that will be established and last forever. And um, just to, to, to round that little piece off, just come to Exodus, uh, sorry, not Exodus, Psalm 34. And there are many, many places that I'm sure you'll be able to think of which say a similar uh, a, a similar thing, a similar sentiment. Psalm 34 and verse 3. You see, what we need to concentrate on in, in our spiritual house and building. Uh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. It's not about magnifying ourselves, is it? It's magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Uh, that's what we need to be engaged with uh, as brothers and sisters in, in the little things of life. We're not talking about building big things here, but in our everyday lives, as Shifra and Pua show us to exalt God's name, even in the midst of uh, a dark world. Now, what was it um, that they were building? Well, back in Exodus 1, We learn, uh, verse 11, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh. This is all about building for their king, their God, as it were. Um, treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. Treasure cities, cities for their treasures. Now, you'll need a marker in... Um, Exodus, but so put a marker in Exodus, but um, come over to a few well-known words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Matthew 6. So here, here were Pharaoh and his taskmasters having built for them, for their glory, these cities to put their treasure in, clay buildings to put their treasure in. Matthew 6, Jesus has something to say about this, doesn't he? A wonderful lesson for us. Um, something we need to remember in our day and age. Verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And, and, and this, uh, in the midst of a troubled world, brothers and sisters, is, is where we need to prioritise, isn't it? As I say, in little things of life, it's very easy sometimes to think perhaps this big thing or, or whatever, but it's, it's the everyday things like Shifra and Pua were demonstrating where their treasure really was. Now, the other significant point in, in, in this record, we're, we're still thinking really about the big picture. We'll, we'll come to a um, bit of a focus on Shifra and Pua in a moment. But look at verse 8. This was a time when Pharaoh and his world had forgotten their saviour. Their saviour as well. Egypt. They'd forgotten Joseph this saviour of his people and at the time uh, with Egypt. We're not going to go back there at all. And, and so, brothers and sisters, we live in the same world, don't we? A world that has forgotten the saviour that God had sent and has sent 
for us if only they would listen but they knew not a bit like when Jesus did come they knew not and it was darkness how sad that we live in such a similar world in many ways with edifices being built to man's glory a world that knows not God and the Lord Jesus Christ so we have to shine brightly don't we and um, we come to Shifra and Pua in the midst of this backdrop where there was these burdens, this darkness, this bondage of the Hebrews, where they knew not Joseph, their saviour, had they uh, realised that. But God's eyes were on a different treasure in amongst all this. There were two women running around about their everyday work. And it wasn't incidentally just them. They were probably, if I can put it this way, head midwives. There were no doubt many, many midwives. Uh, but it seems as, as though they were probably over a lot of midwives and, and may well have engaged themselves as well. Now, the name of Shifra, we believe, means beauty or brightness. And the name Puah means splendid. What beautiful names as jewels shining in this dark world. Because here were two women who feared God. The record tells us, the text tells us that they feared God more than fearing Pharaoh. They shunned the treasures of Egypt that these storehouses were being made for, whatever those treasures, it's been suggested, it could have even been armaments, whatever it was, it was man's treasure. They shunned those treasures and used their labours for God's treasures. Come with me to um, Exodus 19. I believe they had a hope. They clearly believed in the God of Israel. They feared this God, and, and they were bringing about, through their labours, a treasure for God. Um, look at Exodus 19, you know the words well. Verse 5, now therefore, if you will obey, speaking to Israel, of course, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure, special treasure, the people of God unto me above all people for all the earth is mine so quite apart from these treasure cities being built god was building a treasure through shifra and pua isn't that lovely this this contrast that god is interested in people you see not things life is more important than clothes isn't it as jesus puts it is it luke 15 luke 12 um, come with me to Psalm 135. Psalm 135. And, and again, you know, there are other places we could look, but just come here for a moment. Psalm 135. Here we are. Um, verse one. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord. This is what was being built at a, at a corporate level, the house of God, the people of Israel. 
in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. And interestingly, in this psalm, verse 8, it goes on to talk about Egypt, who smote the firstborn of Egypt. Those firstborn died. But here were the firstborn of Israel now being preserved. Uh, their lives were being preserved by these women, weren't they? These sons that, that Pharaoh said should be thrown into the river Nile, both man and beast. So what do we learn from this? We learn that these two women made a choice. And this is what it boils down to with us, doesn't it, in many ways. They made a choice between the king of this world, as it happened to be, Pharaoh in this case, or the king, the creator, the God of the heavens and the earth, the God of Israel. And they made the right choice. They put their trust in the God of Israel. And we have to make these choices too, brothers and sisters, don't we? And, and of course, I'm, I'm not suggesting we shouldn't follow the law of the land as much as we can. But when that contradicts the laws of God, we know what choice we have to make. It was a bit like Peter, isn't it, in the New Testament, uh, when they were challenged. And they had to state, we're going to obey God. It's a bit like Nehemiah, isn't it? Uh, when they challenged Nehemiah, come down. And he said, no, we're building the walls. We're building the house of God here. And, and this is what we're about, isn't it? First and foremost, about building the house of God. Now, interestingly, come forward with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, we don't know, we're not told, um, but um, Shifra and Pua may have delivered Moses. We, we don't know. But it is nevertheless interesting that here we've been thinking about the treasures of the world or heavenly treasures. And this is exactly the same choice that Moses made. Uh, and so verse 23 of Hebrews 11 by faith, Moses, when he was born, and perhaps uh, in brackets, we don't know, and I'm not, you know, being dogmatic at all. Perhaps Shiframpur were involved with that, were hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid. Note, they were not afraid of the king's commandment, exactly like Shiframpur. So there were others, too, who were not afraid of the king's commandment by faith. Moses, when he was come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, notice this. You see, a choice was made. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Um, and that word comes elsewhere, translated temporal and, and such words. Um, note verse 26, though, esteeming. The reproach, this is how he saw it, under inspiration here, we're told. Esteeming the reproach of Christ 
greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. <laughs> exactly what we're talking about here. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And this, this word respect means, has the idea of turning away from anything else that would distract and really focusing on what matters seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But isn't that interesting that Moses here, of all the words it could have used, says he wasn't interested in the treasures of Egypt, uh, but rather put his faith and his trust in God. He made a choice. And so we too, my dear brothers and sisters and young people, will and are presented with choices, aren't we? every day of our lives, at work, with our neighbours, with our friends, at university, at college, you know, are we going to go with those who say, let us and be conformed, or are we going to make a choice and say, my treasure is in heaven, and I will use my labours as best as I can to glorify God. And of course, the wonder of being at brothers and sisters together is that we can help each other we can share those burdens that are put upon us as they were the israelites which which do sometimes get us down don't they uh, we do have our ups and downs in life but we can share those burdens as paul mentions in galatians that we can rejoice together and bring ourselves back to the treasures of god now there's um one other thing um, that I'd like to just note, and again, I'm, I'm not being dogmatic about this, but it is something interesting. Um, if you come back to Exodus 1 and um, look at verse 15 and 16 again. The king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other Puah. So it sort of um, cottoned on to, to what was going on, really. Um, but there's, there's still a lot of boy babies uh, around. Uh, and he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stalls, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then, you shall, uh, then she shall live. Uh, and then we have about the midwives fearing God. But verse 18, and the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have you done this thing uh, and have saved the men, children alive? Uh, and the midwives give this reason, um, whether it is the full reason or not, we're not told. Um, but nevertheless, it declared who they put first in their lives, doesn't it? But there's a little word in verse 16 when it talks about see them upon the stools. Um, in fact, every translation that I have uh, on my bookshelf, I had a quick look and they all pretty much translate it on the stools there. I'm just going to throw out a thought and that's that's all it is. Uh, that the word stools, if we do look at that word, it's exactly the same word in the Old Testament Hebrew as stones. The same consonants are used. Now. As I say, I'm not, I'm not saying at all that, that we should retranslate it at, at all. But perhaps there's an additional message for us in this. That these 
this becomes representative, as it were, of this spiritual building as stones being built up in God's house that was being formed into a spiritual house that would glorify his name, that would bring honour to God. Now, with this in mind, um, just come over to 1 Peter and uh, chapters 1 and 2. You will recall that these first two chapters of Peter, um, it, it would seem that the background is very much uh, about Egypt and coming out of Egypt. Verse 1 talks, <clears throat> doesn't it, about um, you're not redeemed with things of silver and gold from vain conversation received, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, um, that we, they were coming out of Egypt. We weren't redeemed uh, with those things, but with the precious blood of Christ. Then coming to chapter 2, and I'm going to put another slide up here. There we are. Now, these aren't necessarily exact quotations, but nevertheless, there is a, a certain symmetry, a certain idea, a certain recollection under inspiration, um, a, a certain theme which is being followed. So as we have in Exodus 1 about babes being born, so for the spiritual household, new babes are being grown. Uh, and, and just as in Exodus 1, this, this nation grew, much to the consternation of Pharaoh, of course, um, then in, 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 um, in Peter, that we might grow thereby by the word of God. Um, this precious stone, um, verse 21, that makes God's house lively stones. And I, I've just um, suggested that there may be something uh, there's some significance around the, these stalls and stones being the same word. These living stones, as it is in Peter. And of course, then it quotes from Exodus 19, Peter does, doesn't it? Um, where Israel are termed in the scriptures, this peculiar treasure unto God. And then in verse 14 of Peter, it's being put, drawn out of darkness, which Egypt is described as being. Certainly, spiritually, it was in darkness, not dissimilar to our world. Uh, and then the people of God in verse 10 of, of Peter, which in time past were not a people and primarily it comes from Hosea. Um, but it is striking again when we look at Exodus 1 through to 3, how many times God says, my people. This is my people, he, he reiterates. Um, and then... In Peter, uh, verse 2, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 12, sorry. I wonder if we can see Shifra and Puah in this. Having your conversation honest, your, your lifestyle, your behaviour honest among the Gentiles. That's where they were, isn't it? Right among the Gentiles there. Uh, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, as, as Pharaoh challenged them, why are you doing this? Uh, they may... By your good works, which Shifra and Puah were, dem were demonstrating, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And it is interesting, isn't it, that a good number of Egyptians, this mixed multitude that came out, did indeed accept God as the true, one and only true 
God. So their work that they were getting on with daily, I believe, had a profound effect upon those around that they could see the beauty of these two jewels, their faith shining through in the God of Israel. Their labours were directed to another building altogether of God. So uh, one final uh, small theme that I'd like to um, consider. I'm just going to... Um, one final theme, uh, and then we must uh, close our remarks. But um, back in Exodus, you, you, you may well have noticed it as, as we read through this chapter. Back in Exodus, chapter one. Well, you've got a marker there, but, but come even further back for a moment to Genesis, chapter 46. You see, God had all things in hand, didn't he? God was over all these things through his providence. And he used such people in his mercy and in his goodness as Shifram Pua to do his will. And others, of course. Look at verse 3. Genesis 46, verse 3. And he said, I am God, the God of my father. Fear not to go down to Egypt, he says, for I will there make of thee, here's a promise, a great nation. That's where I'm going to make you a great nation, Israel. You see, it was all part of God's overarching purpose. There was nothing to chance here. God knew beforehand. There was no surprises with God. There never are. God said, that's where I'm going to make you grow. And it's after that that you will go into the promised land. Now, did you notice how many occasions, as we read through Exodus 1, there was what I'm going to call promise language? As we read through that, just scan very, very quickly. I'll, I'll highlight the verses for us. Look at verse seven. Here they are, exactly as Genesis 46, God said. The children of Israel were fruitful, increased, abundant. Look at, look at all these um, words used, these descriptors used of, of Israel and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Uh, what emphasis to say this is God's purpose happening. And of course, a lot of this was done at a practical level through these two women who were these bright lights shining in a dark world. Look at verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, isn't that ironic? A paradox, isn't that? Uh, the more they multiplied and grew. Look at the occurrences of the word multiplied repeatedly. Uh, look at verse 20. Uh, Therefore God dwelt well. Oh. Yes, therefore God dwelt well with the midwives and the people multiplied. There we are again, multiplied and waxed very mighty. Isn't this the promises to Abraham, the promises to Isaac and the promises to Jacob? Your, your seed will be like the sand on the shore. Um, here it is. Exodus 1, 
but here's here's a wonderful point brothers and sisters here's here's the clincher as it were for me in terms of promise language just read verse 21 again now where does that take you look, look at the look look at how the words are particularly expressed where does that take you and it came to pass because the midwives feared god that he made them houses isn't that lovely he looked after them he looked after these two women because they were looking after the things of god as much as they could in their own lives we could say though it's i don't believe it was a small way but in their small way it was it was a massive work they were doing but you know what i mean phrase he made them houses come to two samuel please this is promise language through and through two samuel seven and we could go to solomon as well we're not going to you remember it of course this is where david said well i want to build god a house and he prepared for it didn't he in faith and rejoiced in doing so but god said no that's not the way it's going to be ultimately david I'll tell you what, I'm going to build you a house, David. Isn't that lovely? And God says that same promise to Shifra and Pua. I'm going to build you a house. You've been building my house through all your labours, through your life, you two women. Now I'm going to build you a house, an eternal house, an everlasting house that will last into his kingdom into that promised land 2 samuel 7 we can't read it all but look at verse 7 and as since the time that i commanded judges to be over my people israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies also the lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house isn't that lovely the same phrase that's used of shifra and Pua. I will make you a house through their faithful labours in the Lord, brothers and sisters. And it says, doesn't it, back if you recall, back in our Exodus 1, therefore God dealt well with them because they feared. God dealt well with them. Come to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, please. And these are, these are wonderful, reassuring words for you and for me, my dear brothers and sisters, as we labour in all of our different ways and different contexts in the Lord. This is a promise, isn't it? Look at Ecclesiastes uh, 8 and verse 12. Though a sinner do evil an hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know... That, note the words carefully, it shall be well with them who, that fear God. Isn't that lovely? These two women feared God. The first time the, that actual phrase is used in the Bible. And here it is. It shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. And they demonstrated that in their lives, running hither and thither about God's service. 
And so we, brothers and sisters, live in our generation, thousands of years after these two women. But let us be about the work of our Lord. Let us be, like Jesus says, about the work of building God's house. Two final references then. Hebrews chapter 6. Because things will be well with us, brothers and sisters, if we are engaged in these things. Um, that's not to say we don't have upsets and tragedies and ups and downs in our lives. We do and we will. But ultimately, let's keep our eyes focused on eternal things, the things of the kingdom, because then it will be well. Whatever our situation is now, it will be well when Jesus returns. Hebrews 6. And I, I feel these words are uh, a reflection, if you will, of uh, what we've been considering. Verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> Sorry, 10 and 11. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work. And, and, and in the back of our minds, just have Shifram Puah. God is not unrighteous to forget your work. And, and, and that work will be noted at the judgment and the kingdom when Shifram Puah will be there. When they see their Lord. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love, which you have showed towards his name. In that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. And so these two women died, we feel sure, with a hope set before them. But we can't close our study um, without, and I'm, I'm sure many of you know where I'm going to go for my last reference. It's, it's got to be Malachi, hasn't it? Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. These lovely words that we hope and pray will resonate with all of us. Verse 16 and 17. <clears throat> and just, just note the echoes of what we've been thinking about. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And it may well be that Shifram Pua will be amongst those treasures of God that they sought after in their day and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that served him you see they made a choice in their difficult circumstances they decided to serve God and have a hope of everlasting life before them as part of these jewels of God. Maybe it's so with us too, brothers and sisters.
as we wait the day of his appearing. Thank you. Thank you.